Grace be unto you and peace from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today, taken from Matthew 28, the words of Jesus, Do not be afraid. Do you remember these words that we sang in our hymn, I know that my Redeemer lives. What was that last stanza? He lives to silence all my fears. He lives to wipe away my tears. He lives to calm my troubled heart. He lives all blessings to impart. Please be seated. So you go to a tomb, this rock that has a kind of a mini cave carved out of it, and you get there, and you see that the door, this sealed door, has been broken, has been broken into, and the stone has been moved to the side. And, and you look off in the distance, and maybe you see soldiers that are running away in fear. And some angels appear, and they tell you that this guy that you saw, beaten, scourged, put upon a cross, nails driven through his hands and through his feet, a spear having been piercing his side and his heart, his body being taken down by Joseph of Arimathea, wrapped in linen, placed in the tomb. And the angels suddenly, as they tell you what has happened, you suddenly meet that person who had died and you stare at him and here is Jesus alive. And he says, do not fear. Right. Really. Do not fear? If we were placed in that situation, we would have to ask ourselves, does this resurrection of Christ mean that I no longer need to fear anything in my life? We should be afraid if we look at the life of Jesus before he was crucified, we should be afraid, for one thing, because of the fact that there is great persecution that will come to God's children. Jesus warned his disciples in Matthew chapter 26, he said, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. It is estimated today that some 215 million Christians are being persecuted in the world. Somewhere from a persecution that's severe to extremely severe. Of course, the number one persecutor of Christianity is North Korea. You'll have a 0% chance of surviving if you're known to be a Christian. Out of the 50 top countries that are persecuting Christians today, 35 of them are being persecuted primarily by Muslim extremists. We, of course, know that also there is a rise in the persecution of Christians in the area of ethnic uh, ethnic nationalities. In other words, if you're a minority as Christians in a country, there is a huge increase in persecution that is taking place. We see persecution taking place, of course, in Iraq and Iran, but somewhat surprisingly even in India 
and even in Mexico. We here in the United States, sometimes if the persecution is not too overt, feel like we're not persecuted, but it's becoming more and more difficult for us to be able to be known as Christians and to not have people feel negative or even possibly exclude us from workplace situations or whatever else not. We have a reason and should have a reason to be afraid. We should also be afraid because of the fact that there will be temptation that we are going to have to face. Jesus faced it, didn't he, in the Garden of Gethsemane. His temptation was extremely hard and painful. And if it's that bad for the Son of God, what will it be for us? If for him the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak, how is it that we're going to be able to pass our life with the resistance to temptation that will enable us to overcome? Psychologists today describe temptation in a more simple way. They call it the desire for instant gratification. In great part, that's kind of what happened to Jesus in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan. Are you hungry? Take matters into your hand and command these stones to become loaves of bread. Are you doubting? Just jump down from this pinnacle here at the temple and see whether or not he's going to take care of you. Are you wondering whether or not you're going to be able to have happiness in life? Well, let me take you to a mountain and show you all the treasures of the world. And all this I'll give to you. Just you'll have it now. You won't have to really worry about getting it there in eternity. That's the way that it works, isn't it? Temptation says, this is something that you get now. You get now a chance to relieve your pain. You get now a chance to be able to taste a little bit of euphoria or happiness. But what's the cost? Are you willing to give up that great goal that ultimately propels you through temptation, the goal of heaven and its paradise? We have reason to be afraid because we are going to face betrayal in this world. Jesus faced it, didn't he? Judas betrayed him. And then he even was so audacious, audacious as to even betray him with a kiss of friendship there in the garden. We're going to always see it. We're going to see betrayal in our churches. We're going to see it in our families. We're going to see it in our nation. Counselors tell us that there are many different forms of betrayal. Cheating on relationships, lying, breaking confidences, refusing to defend when we hear gossip. But the root cause, they say, this is psychological language, is what they call disengagement that all of a sudden you just don't care about another person or what you're doing to them. This is the way of the world today, it seems, increasingly so. The world no longer cares about God. It no longer cares about Christ. And really, that means it also will no longer really care about us. If Jesus was betrayed, so also should the children of God expect it as well. We have reason to be afraid because of the hatred in this world. 
Boy, did Jesus face hatred, didn't he? Those Jewish leaders and even that mob that could shout out, crucify him, crucify him, even though Pilate could find nothing that he did wrong. Why do people hate Christians? We are told that people hate whatever is different. When we become Christians, we do hopefully become different from the world. Certainly not perfect, but what we value, what we live for, God's grace, His forgiveness, His mercy, what we believe about God. Perhaps the biggest reason for why people are hating, we are told, is that they are hating others in order to avoid hating themselves. They look for scapegoats. We are told by one writer, he says, many teens and young adults are locked in their own personal jail, full of self-loathing, desperately wanting to get out, but not believing they can. You just look at it. Everybody is supposed to have the perfect image, aren't they? And we look at ourselves and we see how inferior we are to those who are around us and we hate ourselves. What is it that prevents us from seeing God's love? What is it that we can't understand? Worth is not given to us by men. It is given to us by God. And so as a result, we're going to face the hatred of men as long as we live on this earth. We should be afraid because we're going to have to face envy. Pilate was a wise man. He saw what was really the cause of the high priest's desire to destroy Jesus. Yeah, he saw that it was envy. Someone said that envy is a response to another person who has success, skills, or qualities that we desire and involves, this is the interesting part, feeling a lack in comparison to that person. Jesus did miracles. They couldn't. Jesus loved the people and they loved him back. The high priest never enjoyed that kind of affection. As Christians, we are going to face envy from the world just as our Lord did, and it will be a mystery to us. It is said that there are seven things that trigger envy more than any other thing. One of them is money, relationship status, fertility in children, physical attractiveness, professional success, and now the latest one is social media. Everybody brags on social media and makes everybody else feel bad about themselves. But we have to add what? Being a child of God. Yeah, because we are children of God, we are going to have to face envy until the end of time. We should be afraid because we are going to face deceit. There at the tomb, the high priest posted guards because they understood better than even the disciples that when Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it, that he was speaking about his own physical resurrection. But when the trembling soldiers returned to let them know of what it is that they had seen, the angels descending and ripping open the tombs, the priests used their money and their power 
to cover up the truth. Why will people live in deceit until the end of time? Well, the reasons we are told is that deceit usually is a way of being able to gain advantage over somebody else. The reasons are sometimes that deceit enables us to create an impression of ourselves that we want other people to see. Deceit can also be the result of laziness. It's easier to lie than to tell the truth. It makes life easier. And so deceit is something that we are going to have to face until the end of time. Persecution, temptation, betrayal, hatred, envy, deceit. Everything that Jesus faced, everything that can make us fear until the end of time. And that is why Jesus said, do not be afraid. He is risen. So don't be afraid of persecution. In the very same words where Jesus told his disciples about the shepherd being struck, he turned around and said to them that he was going to also rise from the dead. Strike away, world, we say. Our Lord has conquered death, and we are no longer bound by the fear of death. Fear is never going to be our master. Don't be afraid. He is risen. We don't have to be afraid of temptation. We have two, maybe even three, very marvelous weapons in fighting against temptation. The first was used by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed and was heard before the throne of his Father. Guess what? He was heard, but he still is heard as he prays for you and for me and joins our prayers to his prayers and they are heard by his Father. He also understands every single one of our temptations because he himself took our human flesh as a man. And he suffered those things so that he might understand and know and pray the perfect prayer on our behalf. But Christians can also know that they can overcome temptation because we have the sure and certain knowledge that heaven does belong to us. This is delayed gratification times a billion. We know heaven is going to be ours. And in that resurrection of Christ, we have a foretaste of what is going to happen to us as we fight through our temptations. But always remember this. He died on that cross for our sins so that when our temptations overwhelm us, he also forgives and pardons and cleanses our conscience so that we can go on. Don't be afraid. He is risen, even if we have to face betrayal. Like Jesus, we don't need a sword to defend ourselves. He has ten legions of angels at his disposal, and he is the one who tells us that the only reason why it is that he doesn't bring justice right down to this earth is that he desires that all men repent and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so he's patient. He knows how to handle our betrayals. He is risen. We don't have to be afraid of hatred. 
He's the one who sees, and he's the one who can repay, and his judgment is going to be far more severe than anything that we could ever mete out to those who might hate us. His best defense against hatred is also something that he gives to us. It's something that we can use. You know what that was? He fought against hatred and killed it, destroyed it by the way in which he forgave it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We can too, and we do so because we also know how greatly he has forgiven us. We don't have to be afraid. He's risen, and we don't need to worry about the envy of others. You know who you are, don't you? Children of God, purchased by the blood of Christ, heirs and inheritors of the whole creation, the eternal creation that is yet to come. What is money to you? What is possessions or luxury or fame? These are things that are worldly and they're passing and they're delusional. But if these things, if we compare them to the joys of what we possess in that resurrection of Christ, the hope of that resurrection, we can just say, let the envious be envious. He is risen. We don't have to worry about a deceitful world. We don't have to be afraid. Though the world may slander and defame, though the world will bend truth and twist facts and blindly do so out of its own love for money or importance or arrogance, Because he is risen, the joyful and the wondrous story of the resurrection can never be taken from us. The truth is going to be known and it is going to survive. After all, which truth has survived better and longer? The truth of those high priests who said that his body didn't rise. Or the truth of the apostles that said, He is risen. Uh, He is risen. Don't be afraid. Amen. May this peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.